am so honored and privileged to be with y'all today. Y'all, since I came last time, you're, you're like rabbits. You've, you've multiplied everywhere. We've got watch parties happening today. We've got campuses happening today. Some of you have still got breakfast cereal coming out of your mouth on the bed. Some of you are on the treadmill, although get ready, strap yourself in, because I only talk three ways, hard, fast, and continuously, so you're going to have to amp up your treadmill right now. Some of you are in the living room with families. Wherever you have logged on today, I'm just so grateful to be with you. You're like family. The first time I came, I am a guest. But by the time you come back, and then look, we were with the chicks, and I bet all the guys right now wish you were there, because Flourish was unbelievable, and you know, it really, really was. There is nothing like having hundreds and hundreds of, of, of chicks hosting events really all around the world, and God just, God loves his girls, and he turns up big time when we get together, but I'm glad to be with some testosterone today, wherever you are. I've always wanted to come and visit you right there in your house. I've always wanted to come over, so this is my opportunity to be there, and I am here with the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth, a man to whom I've been married almost 25 years, which I think is pretty awesome. You know, it's pretty awesome if you do anything for 25 minutes um, today. So 25 years is fairly phenomenal. We've got two kids, Nick and I, uh, Catherine Bobby, who is 18, Sophia Joyce, who is 14. Now, you've got to know, my husband is number 14 of 15 children. And so my mother-in-law didn't really think you were a chick until you popped out like your 10th kid. So I would go over with my two children. There would be Catherine, Bobby, and Sophia. And I'd go, this is Catherine, my alpha. And this is Sophia, my omega. And these are the beginning and the end of my childbearing years. So uh, our daughters are awesome. And we are just privileged to be here. I need you to know that I've, I, we came to Montana and um, Fort Flourish, and I was thinking, because recently you had my friend uh, Lisa Harper, and, you know, she really challenged me to go and climb mountains like she climbed in Montana and to jump into the lakes that she did. Except the problem is I came, no one told me there'd be a blizzard and they would all be frozen, and so I think Lisa wanted me to jump headfirst into that lake, but it didn't happen. I've had a ball. I would come here anytime because the presence of God is here. And even as I just sense what the Lord has done since the last time, even I was here to now, you guys are like rabbits. You just keep multiplying. There are more campuses and watch parties, and it just keeps growing. But that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work, and I believe he's got a word for you. I don't know about you. We live in Southern California. It's been a little bit cray-cray in California. I know, I guess, wherever you are, you've just had a normal 2020. But for the rest of us, it has been a little bit cray-cray this year. But, you know, here is the good news that God has been with us in the midst of it all. We're going to go to Scripture. This is, I've always loved the Word of God. And today, we're about to get more Bible than you've probably had all year. So for those of you that are behind in your Bible reading plan, where you're like, man, I was going to read the Bible in a year this year, but I'm really behind. I'm about to catch you up. And you're going to see, and this is what I love about the Word, something that was written 2,000 years ago is pertinent to 2020. You are going to think that Dr. Luke's pen was had you in mind as he was penning this text in the book of Acts, chapter 27. Uh, for me, you know, we don't all need a new word, we need a now word. And in the way that we have been going through 2020, we want a word that is going to speak to our now. So turn with me to Acts 27 or log on, however you do it, however you read it. I'm old school, so I like the, the Bible in a book form like this. Acts 27, it says, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. Okay, 
Uh, look, I'm in Montana in the snow, so when I'm reading that we're going to sail for Italy, I'm Greek. You know, we have 821 officers all around the world. And when I think of sailing for Italy, I'm thinking of a Mediterranean cruise. I'm thinking of a yacht. I'm thinking of maybe, you know, by going to the Amalfi Coast, Positano, Port, you know, and then maybe going through the Greek islands of, um, you know, Santorini or Mykonos. But the trip to Italy that I'm about to read to you is not that kind of trip. Let me just give you a little bit of context. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had just brought an offering from all of the churches in the region to the church in Jerusalem. A church that they were in the middle of a famine, there was great poverty, they had great need, and just like Fresh Life Church is so generous, you guys have been unbelievable supporters of A21. I want you to know that even during a global pandemic, over 150 people have been rescued from human trafficking because the church of Jesus Christ has continued to support the mission. I could keep you here all day with amazing stories of what has happened miraculously over these seven months. But this was a time of, of, of great famine and lack. And the Apostle Paul had received an offering from all the churches that would, would help the church in Jerusalem. Now, everyone had warned him, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem because the religious leaders do not like you. The religious leaders actually want you dead. And so don't go back. It will be a risk to your life. But the Apostle Paul wanted to go. For him, Jerusalem was very special. This was a place where he himself used to persecute and see Christians killed. And he saw, you know, obviously Jesus Christ was crucified right there. It was a very, very special place to him. He wanted to go back. And he wanted to go back for another reason, to take the offering to the Jerusalem church, to confront the Jewish leaders. And in his heart of hearts, his desire was to go to Rome. Paul had wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to stand before Caesar. He knew that if he could get to Rome, then the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would spread through the then known world. Of course, Rome is the capital of the epicenter of the Roman Empire. So it was crucial for him to get there. He knew it was part of his destiny. It was part of his purpose. He was going to go to Rome. But sometimes when we're going to go to our destiny, the way we get there is very often different to how we had anticipated. God's path for us often is really different to the way our plan is to get to that place. And so what happened was everyone wanted him not to go, but he still went. And you know what? They were absolutely right, that he was persecuted by the Jewish leaders. Crowds came. They tried to kill him. And the way his life was saved was the Roman soldiers actually put him in prison. They took him as a prisoner. He was under house arrest. So for two years, years, he was a prisoner. And then he basically, you know, made claim on his Roman citizenship and said, I want to go and stand before Caesar in Rome and make a case, you know. And so it was it was an interesting story. I'm just basically wrapping up a whole lot of the book of Acts for you right here, because I want you to understand why we're going to Italy. So now finally, Paul is going to Italy. It's what he always wanted to do. It's what he knew his purpose was. He knew his destiny was part of this. And this is where we're picking up the text right here. So he's on his way to Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners. That's why he was a prisoner. To a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking on a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Now, of course, the A20 
21 headquarters is in Thessaloniki, Greece. And I'm Greek and Greek is my first language. And I know deep down everyone wants to be Greek. If you give me a word, any word, I'll, I'll prove that to you. We all want to be Greek. It says, the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. I want you to catch this church, wherever you're watching me right now. Don't, don't, don't choke on your Cheerios. I want you to catch this. Right at this moment, it says the winds were from the outset. Paul is on route to destiny. What is going to prove to be one of the most significant aspects of his whole life here on earth in terms of the gospel going forth and, and the gospel spreading out right to the then known world. This was a crucial trip. But he's embarking on his purpose as a prisoner and immediately the winds were against him. This wasn't going to be a nice Mediterranean cruise. This wasn't going to be like a summer on the Greek islands. The winds were in. Anyone, anyone felt like that in 2020? We, we just started and all of a sudden it seemed like we hit March and what happened? The winds were against us. He goes on and it says with this, that And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Silica and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty. I want you to catch that with difficulty. Off Nidus, and as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete, off Salmon, coasting along it with difficulty. Dr. Luke's wanting us to pick something up here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The winds are against us. We, were, we had difficulty. Then we coasted along and there was more difficulty. And then we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over. So we've gone from winds against us to difficulty to difficulty and now we're at dangerous. It sort of sounds like winds against us in March, got a little bit more difficulty in April. Then we get to May and there's more difficulty. And just when we think it can't get any more difficult, we hit danger. I just want you to know this is exactly how Paul was setting out. And the Bible says that this was after the fast, which would be after the day of atonement. We're in winter. I don't know if you've ever been in the Mediterranean during winter, but I want you to know it's not a pretty thing. I've been there and I've been on a boat going between islands and we've had many victims of human trafficking saved and rescued in this region of the world. And when you have to get on a boat to escape in winter, it is horrific. The waves are huge. I mean, I've been on boats where people have been throwing up over, overboard. I, I, you know, on one particular trip, I was the only one that had taken Dramamine. I'm here to say to you that some of us needed to take some spiritual Dramamine in 2020 because it's been a bit like that. We've all felt a bit of nausea. We've all felt the wind. We've all felt the waves. And this is the time of the year you couldn't get around it. It was, it was winter. It, everyone was going to feel the wind. Everyone was going to feel the waves. Every single person was going to feel this storm that's coming up. No one was exempt, including Paul. And this is what Paul says. Paul goes on. He says, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury. And much loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot 
and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. I just want to press pause just for one second right here. I just want you to see that the majority is not always right. The majority decided we're going to go anyway. There is a warning, but I'm not going to heed the warning. I just want you to know that in an age of social media, in an age of just going with the flow and with the crowd, I just want you to note that the majority is not always right. Just because everyone's doing it or just because everyone's saying it does not mean that it's right. So the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. Okay, so now they're deceived. They're thinking that, man, we, 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 we're winning here. We're going to get out to Italy. It's fine. The wind is just gentle. There have been moments this year we had, difficult, we had difficulty. We had dangerous. Then the wind seemed to be just a little bit dying down. We're thinking it's all good. Just when you'd think that, the Bible says in verse 14, but soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. You could Google this. The Northeaster in the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, we're talking category five cyclone conditions. We're not talking about a nice little storm. We're talking about a full-on hurricane force wind. These winds were brutal. They would come down and it would cause mayhem. So now Paul is on this ship and we're in basically the equivalent of a huge hurricane storm in the middle of the ocean. And the Bible says, and when the ship was caught, and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, and we were driven along. Ever felt out of control? Anyone besides me felt that maybe this year's been out of my control? I just suddenly got driven along. I thought it was bad in March, then it got worse in April, then it got worse in May, and by the time we hit June, what is going on? And then I've just been driven along. That's exactly how Paul felt. Now remember, Paul is on track and on route to destiny. He's on route to purpose. He's on route to standing before Caesar and the gospel going out across the, across the earth. He is on route with purpose. But every now and again, God is going to get us off course to get us on the path that he has for our destiny. Now, Paul had a plan. He's on his way to purpose. It is going to prevail. But God needed to get him off course to get him on the path to do what he wanted to do, him to do so that he could fulfill more than even what he imagined he was going to do. See, Paul knew that he was going to go to Rome. Paul knew that he was going to stand before Caesar, but God knew more than Paul knew. And so God had more planned for Paul than Paul even realized. And sometimes we can get so frustrated because we're like, I didn't expect the difficult. I didn't expect the more difficult. I didn't expect the great difficulty. I didn't expect the danger. I didn't expect the tempestuous storm. How did I get here? And God says, it's okay. You might feel like you're off course right now. I know we just had Halloween. Some of you still freaking out today. You got so much candy in you, you can't even cope. But here is the deal. You might feel like you're off course, but you are on God's path. God is still in control. God is still leading you. God is still directing you. So he goes on. He says, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it. We were driven along running under the lee of a small island called Cowder. We managed with difficulty. There it is again. To secure the ship's boat, after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Now here we get to, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day 
to jettison the cargo. I mean, Dr. Luke's writing this with a lot of emotion. We weren't just storm-tossed. You ever felt violently storm-tossed this year? I mean, violently, just jarred from one side to the next. Felt the nausea, felt this sense of like, God, what is going on? And then at this point, they're now jettisoning the cargo overboard. Now, the ships these days, they weren't, they weren't cruise ships. Don't think about when going on a cruise to the Bahamas. They were cargo ships. So this contained all of their economic means. This contained their profit margin. This contained what was needed to keep the economy going. Anyone felt like we've had to throw some things overboard this year? You thought, God, that, that, that was my job. I, that promotion... I thought that was going to take me to my purpose. God, that 401k, I'd made those investments. I'd, and, and here I am coming into the last couple of months of the year. And God, where did it go? I feel like it's just been thrown overboard. I felt like 2020 was going to be the year, the year of my financial breakthrough, the year of that promotion, the year of those investments going, coming out well. That, I thought that was going to happen this year. And I'm standing here. It's November. And I feel like just the cargo, all my provision, it's just gone overboard. So Paul's right in the midst of this. And Scripture goes on and says, and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. This is like now all of any hope of the future, of catching fish, of, of doing what a ship is supposed to do. We, we, we don't even have that. Some of us, we're here in November and we're like, God, I can't even see two feet in front of me. I don't know how you're going to open this. I feel like everything, everything that I thought has now gone overboard. And the Bible says, when neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. I mean, this is heavy. Paul says there was, there was, we couldn't see the stars. We, we couldn't see the moon. It was so black. I mean, we are being violently storm-tossed right now. I can't even see the sun or the, or, or the stars or the moon. And you might not think this is a big deal, but this is pre-GPS. The moon and the stars were their GPS. So suddenly the ship's got no navigation system. Suddenly they're just feeling nauseous and they're being violently storm-tossed. Anybody ever felt like it's pitch black? God, where did you go? I started 2020 and that was my navigation. God, I thought I was following you. I thought I was serving you. I was reading your word. I tithed. I was committed. And God, it's November and I can't even see where you are. I don't even know what you're doing. I didn't even ask to get on this ship. I didn't ask for the storm. I didn't ask for the difficulty. I didn't ask for the challenges. God, where are you? Anyone? That's exactly how Paul felt. Suddenly it's pitch black, no navigation, wondering, God, where did you go? He goes on, and the Bible says here, since they'd been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me, <laughs> said no woman to her husband ever. But anyway, that's okay. That's another sermon. That was for Flourish the other night. Okay, so men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. I'm here today, fresh life, wherever you are watching me, whatever is going on, whether you're at a watch party on one of our campuses or you're on the treadmill, if you're driving, I hope you're just listening. Whatever it is that you're doing, I've come here to encourage you to take heart. 
Because if you don't proactively take heart, you will lose heart. You will lose ground. You will go, you will go backwards if you do not make a decision. I'm going to take heart. I'm going to proactively take heart. Paul said to them, I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. I want you to grab the nuance here. I don't want you to miss it. Paul says, men, I want you to take heart. None of you are going to die, but we must run aground. The ship will run aground, but take heart, you're not going to die. Someone needs to hear that. See, there are some ships in this season that needed to run aground. Some friendships needed to run aground. Some relationships needed to run aground. There were some things that needed to run aground, but don't lose heart. He says, the, the angel of the Lord stood before me and he told me, Paul, you must Stand before Caesar. See, Paul had had a word that he was going to stand before Caesar. Paul had had a word that he was going to go to Rome. Paul had had a word that it wasn't over yet. He's in the middle of a storm. He can't see the moon. He can't see the sun. He can't see the stars. He is being violently storm-tossed in the middle of that. What do you do when you're in the middle of a COVID 2020 cray-cray year and you're feeling violently storm-tossed economically and politically and socially and morally and physically in every realm of life. When you can't find a rail to hang on to, you feel like you are just being dragged along and you don't even know what's going on. What you do is you hang on to a word. See, Paul had a promise. Paul had a word. You must stand before Caesar. We have got the Word of God. We hang on to the promise of God. Jesus is this hope we have as an anchor for our soul. Both firm and secure, the writer to the Hebrews says. So we don't need to freak out. Just because everyone around you is going cray-cray doesn't mean you have to. See, everyone's freaking out on the ship, but Paul's not. He goes, oh, this is an evangelistic opportunity. Let me tell you about this God whom I worship and I serve. Do you know what it's like in this season for Christians to simply act like Christians? For people to be going, why are you full of joy when everything's cray-cray? You go, oh, it's more than the Halloween candy. Oh, no, 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 no. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why, why do you have peace when there is no peace in this world? Because Jesus himself is my peace. Why are you able to love in such a contentious and divided and chaotic and broken and unjust world? How are you able to love? Because God himself is love and He's placed that love in my heart. And people look at you and go, wow. Do you know what the book of Romans tells us that the kingdom of God is? We talk a lot about the kingdom of God in this day and age. And I'm all about advancing the kingdom of God. I'm an evangelist to my core. I'm certainly about bringing justice to this earth. But you know what the scripture says the kingdom of God is? We hear a lot of things about what true Christianity is and what really is the kingdom of God. But this is what the book of Romans says. Righteousness Joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's it. So how will you know if you're expanding the kingdom, if you're living in the kingdom, if you're living in the power of the kingdom, that during a very storm-tossed year in every sphere, 
There's not one sphere that's left untouched. Then in the midst of all of that, we're living righteous. It matters to God how we live. Righteousness, we're exuding joy, and that we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That actually is the kingdom of God. A lot of other people are trying to tell you there's a lot of other things that are symbolic of actually advancing the kingdom here on earth. But I found it's fascinating when you actually read the Bible because the Bible will tell you what it is. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the midst of it all. Paul is maintaining his righteousness. He's exuding this joy. Take heart, it's gonna be okay. And he shows this peace. Oh, let me tell you about this God whom I serve. Let me tell you about this God whom I worship. During this season, of course, we've been in quarantine like everybody else and especially in California. And so I couldn't travel internationally like I normally do. I'm normally out of the country, you know, at least seven or eight months of the year. So I could have either complained or Nick and I decided right from the very first week of quarantine, we would do socially distanced um, happy hours with our neighbours that we never knew because we would travel and they would travel and all of a sudden we're all at home. And so we would all be just, all, you know, if you came down our street, you would find kind of all, everyone along the pavement just in our little blankets every Friday. Well, it's become a thing on my street. And all the other neighbours come and invite themselves now. And so now like, we've got to block off the street because you've still got to be socially distanced. So we're, we're all kind of, but you know what? I've decided in this season, that I want to tell people about the God whom I worship and the God whom I serve. And they understand just like them that we feel every wind and every bit of the wave just like they do. That we are being as storm-tossed as them. We're subject to the same economic conditions, the same political conditions, the same social conditions, the same environmental conditions, the same moral conditions, the same chaos, the same disruption, the same pain, the same loss, the same grief, the same suffering. Nowhere does it say that we are not going to feel that. In fact, First Peter says, you know, do not be surprised. It amazes me how many Christians are surprised by what's going on. I'm like, do you read the Bible? It says, do not be surprised. Jesus said, in fact, in this world, you will, not you might. You will have tribulation. Now, I'm not yet at the James level. James is like, count it all joy. When, no, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But it's not that Scripture doesn't tell us that you're going to have moments like this in your life. And in the midst of all of this, you can still know the peace of God. You can still know the love of God. You can still know the joy of God. See, that's when we talk about being filled with the Spirit and anyone that is born again, the Bible teaches us, has been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Well, do you realize that because we've got the Holy Spirit living in us, that means we have the power of God in us to be able to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit when the whole world's going cray-cray. So this is what we need fruit for. We need love in a loveless world. We need peace in a chaotic world. We need joy in a very, very, very dark and angry world. We need kindness in a very mean world. We need self-control in a very out-of-control world. We need patience in a world that is utterly impatient. We need goodness in a very bad world. Can you see why we need that? Can you do it in your own strength? No. Can I do it in my own strength? No, but the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and me. Therefore, church, we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. That's what we need in this season. So people will look at us like these sailors looked at Paul. 
I thought, what is he smoking? That's not really what they thought. That's not in the text, but I am just had to wake some of you up. I mean, this is fresh life. Okay, so now we're going on. Paul goes on. And he says, when the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Someone needs to hear me today. In this hour, because there is so much conflict, there is so much divisiveness, we're all feeling violently storm-tossed. There is a temptation and people are just thinking, man, this is too hard. I'm just going to jump ship. I'm just going to jump ship on this marriage. I'm just going to jump ship on this friendship. I'm just going to jump ship on this church. I'm just going to jump ship on Jesus. It's just too hard. I'm just going to get off the ship. That's the thing that the enemy wants you to do. I'm here to tell you, stay on the ship. Don't jump ship. Stay on on the ship. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't walk away from church. Don't walk away from the things of God. This storm will pass. If you jump ship, the storm will take you out. It will take you out. Now I know it seems like an oxymoron because we know that the ship's going to run aground. Let me just tell you, church, I've been a Christian for 32 years. I've been planted in one house for 32 years, good, bad, and ugly. And people say to me, Chris Kane, how, how have you gotten where you are? What, you know, can I tell you, Nick and I, where he's right here, will tell you the same thing. I, I, I don't know how God has got me here, but I do know this one thing, that I've just stayed connected. I've just stayed connected. And somehow, by staying connected, God has taken me where God wants me to be. Goes on as the... Day was about to dawn. Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. Dare I say, church, at this possibly the most pivotal week in our nation's history, that we as Christians in this hour would dare to break bread together and exalt King Jesus above everything else. Paul, in the midst of the storm, says, we're just going to take communion. Oh, there's a lot of things that separate us, but there is one thing that unifies us, and it's Christ Jesus. Born, crucified, buried, resurrected, coming again. Yep, we're going to break bread. We're going to come together around that blood that was shed for us at Calvary. That's what unites us in this hour. And above everything else, we exalt King Jesus in the middle of a storm. That's what Paul did. He goes on and says, Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. It's all done now. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they had planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. There it is, it happened. 
The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or, in, or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safely to land. I want you to hear me. I have just read you 44 verses of scriptures. I told you, that's more than most of you have read all year. That's awesome. It's okay. Eat your Cheerios. It's fine. Okay, so here is the deal. We have talked about storms and winds and difficult and more difficulty and danger. We've talked about cargo and economic loss. We've talked about nausea. We've talked about disappointment. We've talked about disillusionment. We've talked about discouragement. We've talked about not seeing God anywhere. Where did you go? We've talked about the cost of the ship, that it ran aground, losing everything. You would think, Dr. Luke, would focus on all of these things, but this is how he sums up the whole chapter. And when we were brought safely to land, I'm telling you this for a reason, because he starts chapter 28 after we were brought safely through. How are you going to talk about 2020? Are you and I going to spend our whole life talking about what went overboard, what ran aground, what was lost? Or are you and I going to be Christ followers that can declare and decree to our children and our children's children? We were there in 2020, but our God brought us safely through. Our God brought us safely through. The testimony is we are still here. God has brought us safely through. Dr. Luke's writing that when they lost the ship and every bit of cargo. What's your declaration going to be? Because they knew God was with them. Do you know God's with you? Let me tell you the most precious promise I've held on to in 2020. Not that I've got 22A21 officers in 18 countries and 4,000 propelled chapters in 90 countries or that we had the biggest global freedom summit. We've No, 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 no. The promise that Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know the little things that we thought were Hallmark cards? <laughs> Who needs that? Oh, I've needed it this year. Never have I needed to know more that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God is not a man that he should lie. All oh, these basic foundational truths about the character and nature of God, that is what I have clung to in 2020. That God has never left me nor forsaken me. That my God has brought me safely through. We tell our two daughters, whatever the cost of 2020 was, our God has brought us safely through. So I pray that your testimony will be a remembrance that God has brought us through. Let's change the narrative. Let's elevate our thinking. Let's make our thinking. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verse 7 and 8, that God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. It's time for us to elevate our thinking and begin to frame our 2020 around the narrative that our God brought us safely through. Is that going to be what we talk about more than anything else? He goes on and he says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. After, after we were brought safely through, that means we lost everything. The ship and everything. We then learned the island was called Malta. We had no clue. We didn't even know what this island was called. It wasn't on our plan. This island of Malta, I've been there. It's just 17 miles long. It's nine miles wide. It's tiny. It was not on Paul's plan. 
But it was obviously on God's plan. See, here is the deal, church. A lot of us in November, we're on Malta. We didn't even know what it was called. Some of you are like, I didn't even know there was a place like where I am right now. I didn't know this place where I've landed in November actually existed. Whether it's economically, relationally, financially, politically, socially, morally, whatever it might be. I don't know what your Malta is, but we're all on Malta right now. See, we were all planning to go to Rome at the beginning of the year, and now we're all in Malta. And before we got here, we didn't even know that this existed. And we're like, whoa, it's Malta. And he goes, oh, we learned that the island was called Malta. That's a lot of us right now. We've just learned that that's what this island's called. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it began to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, can you just get this? Paul's now building a fire. Paul is not sitting in Malta going, so not fair. I am like an apostle. I'm going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm going to plant churches. I'm so awesome. And I was supposed to go and see Caesar, man. That was my big gig. That was going to be the biggest preaching gig that I ever had. I was going to go to Rome, the epicenter of the Roman Empire. I mean, I was doing the will of God. I was doing the purpose of God. I didn't ask for the wind. I didn't ask for that ship. I didn't ask to be shipwrecked on this little island called Malta. I mean, no, no, no. See, because that's the posture some of us have right now. I didn't ask for this, God. I didn't want this. And, what's, and we just, but Paul goes, nah. I'm going to get up. I'm going to start a fire for the 276 guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start to pick up sticks and I'm going to start to serve. See, this is how some of you are going to get out of your funk. Start serving where you are right now. Start, start doing something for somebody else right now. Rather than complaining about being in Malta, begin to pick up some sticks and start serving. And he goes on. And he goes, Paul had gathered bundles of sticks and put them on a viper, uh, put them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, though he escaped from the sea. Justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. I, I just want you to know why I don't really follow what the crowd is saying about me. Because the same crowd that said you're a murderer yesterday is going to say you're a God tomorrow. See, see that's how it works. In, in two verses, we went from murderer to God because that's how fickle the crowd is. See, some of us are building our whole lives and future on how many likes and comments we get, but the person that likes your tweet today is going to cancel you tomorrow. So what you need to do is not build your life on likes and tweets and crowds, but build your life on obedience to the Word of God and to the prompting of God. And so so what happened was Paul built this fire. He built a fire. You see, when you start building a fire, and can I just tell you, oh, if we look in the natural, the world's cray-cray. But church, I, I've started traveling, and I'm seeing the Holy Spirit do amazing things around the country. Oh, the ambers and the embers of revival fire, oh, they're stirring, they're stirring. If we can just stay on course, I believe we're going to see the greatest revival that we've seen in our lifetime. If not, in church history, I would dare to say. But the fact is that you have to understand as you get heated up for God and that revival fire, and that's what fresh life is all about, that's being kindled on the inside. Oh, don't be surprised when the snakes start to jump out. 
when you get hot for God. See, this is the best I could do because, you know, the Montana snakes have gone to sleep. And so this is the best I could do right now. The Bible says there was the fire and the snake came. And the Bible says that it wrapped himself, it latched himself to Paul. Because this is what happened. The enemy didn't take Paul out through the shipwreck or the storm. We've had a lot of external circumstances in 2020 that you and I could not control. Whether the pandemic, the riots, I mean, there's been just so much going on. There have been locusts, there have been earthquakes. I'm from California, as I'm, I'm talking about this, the fires have just gone crazy this week all through California. They've evacuated so many of my friends, my kids' friends from school. It just hasn't stopped. We all know that. So if the enemy can't take you out with something external, and especially right at this moment in our history, he's going to make sure that a snake bite comes so that the venom gets in you. If he couldn't take you out from the outside in, he's going to try to take you out from the inside out. What he wants is the venom to get into our hearts so that he can take us out from the purpose of God. He couldn't take Paul out with the storm or the shipwreck, so he thought, I'm going to get a snake to get its venom into you. And for some of us, that venom looks like bitterness. That venom looks like offense. That venom looks like unforgiveness. That venom looks like gossip. That venom looks like slander. That venom looks like lust or greed or envy or jealousy or guile or divisiveness. Oh, make no mistake, especially over these next few days. If I could look in the spirit, there's a bunch of people and the enemy has latched himself and thought, if I can just divide you now, if I can just take you out now, if I can just get my venom in you now, I couldn't take you out with all of the external attacks. So I'm going to try to take you out with an, with an internal attack on your heart. And you know what the Bible says Paul did? It didn't say the snake didn't bite him. It did. But it didn't kill him. And it doesn't have to kill us. The Bible says that Paul shook it off. Now, did you notice it doesn't say that he shook it off on social media? He shook it off into the fire. Some of us need to shake off some of that bitterness and offense and greed and gossip and slander and envy and divisiveness and all of that. And we need to shake it off at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to leave it there. I want to tell you, Fresh Life, I want to remind you that before Taylor Swift, there was the Apostle Paul. And so all of us, wherever you're watching me now, whether you're in the gym or you're in the kitchen or you're in the bedroom or you're in the living room or you're going for a walk or you're working out, wherever you are, this is what we need to do to make sure we're not taken out over the next week. We need to shake it off. There is some stuff that we need to shake off in our life and make sure that venom does not get in on the inside of us and take us out from the inside out. Paul shook it off. All to get to what I'm about to tell you. Because this year is going to make a lot more sense to all of us in hindsight. And here is what happened. The Bible goes on. And it says, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases 
also came and were cured. So what was God's plan? God had a revival in Malta. See, some of us, we're going to miss our revival in Malta because we're lamenting the way we're getting to Rome. Because we don't like how we're getting to Rome. We've forgotten the fact that God's got a revival for us right where we are. There's a revival waiting in Malta. There's a revival waiting right where you are. God positioned him with the most influential person on the island, his father. God used Paul to heal him. Every sick person came and was healed. What are we missing in our own sphere of influence this year? Because we're so busy being bitter or disappointed or disillusioned or discouraged or hurt because we're not in Rome yet. God's like, I I never said you were going to get to Rome in 2020. I said, I'm taking you to Rome. But see, I care about Malta on the way to Rome. You didn't know Malta existed, but I did because I'm God. And my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So would you trust me? even when you can't trace me? Would you trust God in this season, even if you can't trace God in this season? And say, there is a revival waiting in Malta. I don't have to wait till one day I get to Rome. Then I'm back on track with my purpose. God's saying, you won't get to Rome if you don't recognize Malta. You've got to recognize where I've put you so that I can take you where I'm taking you. And look at what happens here. It says, they also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. This is what I've come to Fresh Life to tell you. Some of you have lost a lot in 2020. There is no doubt about it. But I want you to know, the same God that's brought you here is the same God that'll take you to your purpose. See, some of us, lots of things went overboard this year because we didn't realize how much we were trusting the things or the people. And see, all that has been revealed this year is our idols, that we were trusting people and things to take us where only Jesus could take us. So we lost it all. And Jesus says, you think you lost it all, but you've still got me. You only ever needed me. And when you realize that I'm all you need, guess what? I'm going to give you a new ship. I'm going to give you everything you need and you will get to Rome. You will fulfill your purpose. You will fulfill your destiny because he who promised is faithful in Jesus' name. He's a faithful God, friend, and he loves you so much. I wonder if you know this God that I'm talking about. Not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? See, friends, you were created by God for a relationship with God. It's Jesus that connects us to God. And it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. It's only Jesus Christ, friend, that can give us forgiveness for all of our past. A fresh start today. And a hope for the future. This is the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a world spiraling out of control. You can know forgiveness, you can know grace, you can know purpose, you can know hope, you can know mercy, and you can know peace in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Him, right here, right now, wherever you're viewing this, I just want to give you the opportunity to address the spiritual condition of your heart, the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life. And so if you say to me today, you know what, Chris, I I want that. Either for the very, very first time, I want to say yes to Jesus. I've never done that. Or maybe as I've been talking today, you're like, oh, Chris, I recognize I've gotten way, way off course. In fact, I've been running from God. Today, friend, I want to invite you to stop running from Him. Come home to Him. Make your peace with Him. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. It's not too late. There is nothing that you have done that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. He loves you so much. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And wherever you are, if you say, I want that, 
I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ, then I just want you to yes and amen this prayer in your heart. If you want and you're willing, wherever you are, you could just pray this out loud after me. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pause for a second between every line. And you could just pray that and make that your prayer to God to say yes to Jesus. So dear Jesus, today I'm asking that you would forgive me for all of my sins. That you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. Thank you. Amen.